How are we doing, Vertical? I love it. I just wanted to start by personally bragging about how I'm the best person in the world to run with. Um, and the reason why I start with that is because uh, I, I'm really, I'm not much of a runner, but I get out every once in a while. And the reason why I'm fun to run with is because I go really, really slow. So it's never, you know, a competition. I have one other friend who wants to run with me. They're clapping. And uh, they really, I don't go very fast. In fact, I go always at the speed of I can still talk. And so I'm never going to break a, like too much of a sweat. I might break a sweat, but, but I'm really never going to lose uh, my breath as I'm running because I, I really, I don't want to. It's not the way I like to run. I, I prefer to run with people as well. And so you would love to run with me. I promise I'm as slow as can be, and that's the best way to run. But I have somebody that I know who's even better to run with, okay? Let me tell you about this guy. He's a professor at Baylor, and he's worse than me. So he runs slow, which is a gift from God. Uh, but again, you got to get outside and exercise and honestly just kind of feel better about yourself. And, and so I'll run with him. And what's funny is as he's running, he'll, he'll check his watch. And then all of a sudden, randomly, he'll be like, all right, let's stop, let's stop. And this guy prays like all the time. So at first I thought over time that he just wanted to pray everywhere. Like we'd stop, you know, in the Brazos and it was dirty. I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to pray over the Brazos, you know. And, and we'd stop and he'd, we'd start praying and, and then he'd say, okay, it's time to keep going. And then one time we, we were running at the Cotton Belt Trail and uh, we're running together and he looks at his watch again and he's, okay, stop, 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 stop. We got to stop. And so... Um, at this point, I'm like, this is weird. I was, I'm okay with you stopping, always, obviously, but I, it just doesn't even make sense why you're stopping pretty regularly. Um, but again, I'm not complaining. I'm just curious. And so I ask him, like, why are you stopping? And he's like, you know, what I've learned over the years is that when my uh, heart rate gets above 170 beats per minute, I think it's BPM. Is that right? Beats per minute? Sure. I graduated from Baylor. And... <laughs> Uh, when it gets over 170-ish, I stop because it's just not healthy for you. It's not what's best for you. And, and really, I have this crazy story about a friend that was on a run and, and he passed away. And I was like, wow, you're serious. He's like, yeah, his, his heart just skyrocketed. And it was this freak accident. He was a really young man on a run. And so I will never forget that. And honestly, I have so much more respect for why he keeps track of his heart rate. I'm like, you have a family and kids. Like, of course you should never go over 170, apparently, according to him. And so I start with that because this guy keeps a very close watch on his heart. And what's beautiful about this is we're starting a new series tonight called Habits for the Heart. Habits for the Heart. And we're actually gonna be talking about fasting tonight. And we're gonna learn what fasting is, why we should do it maybe some dangers as well. And, and, but there's a rightful question, like why do we need habits for our heart? This is the series that we're starting. What, what's the point of habits for the heart? Or why do we even need to monitor our hearts spiritually, so to speak? We have that rightful question that we could be asking. But I want you to know from scripture that Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. We know in other parts of scripture, like Proverbs, we may have heard that we're meant to guard and keep our hearts with all vigilance, all diligence, for from it, everything flows from. Like everything in our lives is coming from our hearts. But yet our hearts are sick. And even Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, 
and murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness and slander. And as Jesus is having this conversation, what they're talking about is the mouth. And they're saying, Doesn't, isn't the mouth what defiles a person? He's like, it's not the mouth that defiles a person. It's the heart. The mouth is just where it comes out. The hands, murder is just where it comes out. But really it all, it all comes from this one place and it's the heart. And honestly, this, this makes sense in this world. Hey friends, this is Dale. Just want you to know we actually experienced some technical difficulties in the middle of the sermon, not in person, but actually just with the recording. So I would love to give you a brief overview of what you missed, and then we're going to jump kind of three-fourths of the way into the first point. But what you need to know is that we learned that disciplines are what keep us from drifting. They're the very things that help our hearts to stay in positions that are healthy and keep us from uh, things like moral failures and all sorts of these other things. And so then we jumped into the scriptures in Matthew 4, 1 through 2, we see the discipline of fasting. We see Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and him being hungry. And so that shows us that fasting is simply abstaining for food, from food for spiritual purposes. And then we ask the question, is it a command? And we, we see from Matthew 9, 15, that Jesus doesn't necessarily command it, but he does expect it. When he says there will be days that come when the bridegroom, which is Jesus himself, is taken away from them, from the disciples, and then they, being the disciples, will fast. So there is an expectation from Jesus that there will be the discipline of fasting, but it isn't necessarily a command. And so if you are one of those people who... Uh, you know, is, is shamed by the fact that you haven't fasted, there is no shame. You know, it's not a command. But if you're one of those people that also needs the encouragement and maybe even the little slight uh, push to, to be challenged that, that fasting was expected, you must know that Jesus did expect it once he left uh, this earth. And then we also briefly touched on the fact that fasting without prayer is dieting. And in fact, really, the disciples, when they were no longer with Jesus, were meant to fast in order to maintain their intimacy of relationship with Jesus. And that same thing is true for us. So we don't just fast for the sake of fasting. We fast so that we will pray, so that we'll set aside time, that we'll create space to continue to build intimacy and relationship through prayer and spending time in God's Word, which is the way God speaks to us. And so that is exactly what and how fasting is and what it looks like and why we do it and whether or not it's a command and it's kind of crazy. It's, it's definitely just not what culture says to do, what society says to do. Society and culture are more about following your heart. If you want it, take it. If you want to eat it. And uh, that's just not exactly the way we're meant to live as Christians. And fasting is a way that we actually uh, we, we get to transform and renew our, our hearts and our desires towards God's design. And so we'll, we'll jump back in uh, in just a moment on those lines. Like to me, there's, there's nothing comfortable about loving my enemies. That sounds stupid. There's nothing comfortable about praying for those who persecute me. There's nothing comfortable about forgiving everyone as Christ has forgiven me. That sounds silly, but it's not. But most of us are ruled just by our simple desires. We're driven by them. And so it brings us to this second kind of bucket that we're going to look at tonight, which is design. When it comes to our design, what if I, I, I told you that we could desire God more than we desired food? 
Like what if even our food, like what if the way that we need food is actually meant to point us to the reality that we need God? When he said, I am the bread of life, what do you think he was saying? Our design is, is that we're meant to seek God. And what we see in Jeremiah 29, 13 is that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. See, again, it's a heart issue. And part of fasting is, is meant for us to, to focus and, and put our attention in everything that we do on God. No matter the tests, no matter the chaos, no matter the family issues, no matter the decisions of where we're going to live, no matter the decisions of what am I going to major in now that I don't have a good enough GPA to stay in the major that I'm currently in. All these things that are chaotic, the, the very thing that's going to keep us focused is fasting. It helps us to live honestly the way we we're designed to live and seeking the Lord in all that we do. Fasting is a way of building and growing our desire for God. It's seeking him. And that's why we do it. I have a friend. It's actually the same friend who checks his watch. He loves to fast. He's a crazy person. And uh, he's it's so challenging. And he, I asked him what the purpose was for him. And he said, it's to defasten me from false vines. I've begun to fasten to. Infuse me more deeply into the true vine. Let me just kind of explain what he's saying. (laughs) He's saying, fasting exposes the things I'm trying to find life in that aren't Jesus. And so I fast so that I'll defasten. I will let go of the things that are giving me life that aren't Christ. And I'll reconnect myself to the true vine. Fasting is by design meant to change our desires so that it's not just our hearts and our flesh you know, leading us on. It's, it's rather God's desires replacing us. And you know, we, we know this verse that we might be transformed and renewed in Romans 12. That's what fasting is doing. Transforming and renewing our minds. It's seeking God And it's us realizing that we need God more than we need food. And so what does this say about God? God created the world. Therefore, he's greater than his creation. He is more important than food. And I know you don't believe me. But that's the reality. And it even points to what God... Design is, is better than our own desires. In this life, God's design is always better than our desire. And his design is actually found in scripture. But fasting is putting God before our own desires. Our fleeting desires that, that ebb and flow, honestly. That's what fasting is doing. It's, it's putting him at the forefront of our minds. Praying for, for us to know God, to have God. And even praying for others as we fast. And again, I'll pause and just remind you, it's a discipline. It's not to earn God's love or grace. But I assure you, if you give up one meal and instead you pray through that meal 
and you get hungry through the rest of that day before you get to the next meal. And as you get hungry, if all you do is say, Lord, will you show me more of you? Would you show me my need for you? Would you help me to want your design more than my desires? I promise you he'll answer that prayer. That's what he does. I think Jesus, he exemplified fasting and, and obviously just before his temptation, even before his ministry, he, he exemplified fasting for us. But I also think Jesus exemplified doing hard things for us. This whole idea of like comfort being the way that we live and everything that we do, it, it, I think Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, Jesus is, knows he's about to die and he takes his friends and what does he do? He creates space for prayer. The day and the night before he's going to die, he creates space and time for the Father. He's still seeking God, even though he knows, seeking the Father, even though he knows the next day he's going to die. And it says this, Jesus said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I want you to catch this. And I, I honestly, I'm no theologian. I don't fully understand this. Jesus says, let this cup pass before me. This is the God of the universe becoming flesh. That's what Jesus is. Fully God, fully man. And he's like, Father, if you can take this cross, please take it. But then he follows it up with this beautiful prayer that I think we need to rightly understand. It almost seems as though the cross wasn't his like greatest desire, right? But he says, but, but Father, your design for me on the cross, it, not my will, but your will. If I have to take on the sins of humanity by the cross, and that's the only way that everyone can be restored to you, Father, then I'll do it. I'll do something hard for the betterment of many. You see, Jesus, I actually think there, there was a little bit of humanity in him that gave him the desire to be like, hey, if you could take this cup, Lord, would you? But God, the Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, surely like execution wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. It was the most humiliating way to die. We don't even fully understand. Like It's like the electric chair, but 2,000 years ago, it was cursed. It was only what the worst criminals had the penalty for. And this is why Jesus did it. He did it despite the challenge despite how hard it was, because it was for the betterment of us. The Father's design over maybe even his own desire and his humanity, still sinless. Let me make that really clear. Let me tell you a story. In, in 1756, the king of Britain called for a day of solemn prayer and fasting because of a threatened invasion by the French, which, looking back on history, is funny now. But John Wesley said in his journal that the fast, the entire country fasted, 
And the fast day was a glorious day, such as London had scarce even seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full. Literally, think class canceled, work canceled. Pray and fast. That's what was happening. It's crazy. So that the French won't, you know, invade. Surely God heareth prayer and there will be a lengthening of our tranquility, Wesley writes. And in the footnote of his journal, he followed up that humility from the country was turned into national rejoicing for the threatened invasion by the French was averted. You see, fasting is is focusing, but it also has some, uh, it allows us to find clarity and, and give focused prayer as we're making decisions as, we're, as our family and friends are, are broken, we can pr- pray that people would be restored. We can pray for lost friends through fasting and all these different things. And there is a power that comes with fasting. But there's also a danger. And the danger is found in Matthew 6. I want us to read it together. So first we saw the discipline. Second, we saw the design. Like what's the purpose of it? It's, it's partially because of our desires. And then and then. Lastly, we're just going to see the dangers of it. I want to warn you of a few things. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, as I told you, Jesus kind of expected us to. I'm not going to put the command on you because he didn't command it. But he did say, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The danger, the first from this, is to do it just to be seen. To do it just to tell others that you're fasting. Like, I'm going to fast this day. But I got a lunch scheduled and a dinner scheduled. Can't wait to just sit there and drink water, right? Then they'll know how holy I am. First danger is motives. Motives are key. And I'd even encourage you, don't tell anyone that you're fasting unless you have to. Unless they ask. If you're sitting across from them, not eating, it might be helpful to tell them. Feel the freedom to tell them. That's fine. Just break the uncomfortability, whatever. But if you fast to be seen, you'll get your reward of being seen. That's the reward, being seen. The other danger is that you're going to wait. You're going to wait until it feels right. Let me just tell you, the discipline of fasting precedes the desire. And in fact, in most things spiritually, discipline precedes desire. I want you to remember that. That almost every discipline precedes the desire to act on that discipline. And so you don't and probably won't want to fast anytime soon from anything. It's unnatural. And I'd even venture to say there's never a good time to fast. So simply set a time in a day. From this day to this day. At this time to this time. Or this meal, I'm going to fast. Another danger is if you struggle with eating disorders or even many diabetics, I I want you to know that you should not fast. Actually, the alternative for you probably is to eat three healthy meals and just pray during them. Same task, just focusing on the Lord, setting aside those meals to just be alone with him. 
or even many of us must understand that all of us can give up something that will allow us to draw closer to God. I want you to hear this. All of us can give up something that will allow us to draw near to God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. Many of you are probably thinking this is for crazy Christians. I want you to know that's a lie from the devil. Paul, his first three days as a Christian, spent them fasting. His first three days is after he had converted. The last danger I want to warn you of is to stay hydrated, drink juice, maybe even add sugar to one of your cups of water. It's just really practical. That wasn't the last one. One, one last thing is that <laughs> one of Jesus' greatest enemies was the Pharisees. And the Pharisees fasted twice a week. And so you just have to remember the warning that I've told you over and over again. That we fast and we even do spiritual disciplines for God to work on us. Not for us or for God, for us to earn our way to God or for God to love us more. It's inviting him to work on our hearts and our minds. And so the last D, the discipline, the design, the dangers, and then my last is just do it. Be like Nike. Just do it. If you don't know when to fast, I'm going to invite you to fast on Fridays. There are three Fridays until Thanksgiving break. I'm dead serious. Fridays, maybe you do Thursday 6 p.m. to Friday 6 p.m. because you enjoy, you know, hanging out with friends on Friday night and going to dinner, eating out, whatever. Just fast. Set a time the next three weeks. You can start Friday mornings with us at Elliston Chapel. We're going to start Friday mornings, a group of vertical people, myself included. We're going to pray from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. at Elliston Chapel the next three Friday mornings. You're welcome to join us. We're going to fast and pray for our own hearts that we would know and see God more clearly. And then I want you to fast and pray for somebody else. Like maybe it's just one other person in your fraternity in your sorority, in your sport, in your class, somebody you sit next to, I want you to start thinking about them more regularly. I want them to be at the front of your mind. I want you to pray that God would move in an extraordinary way in their lives. And then after you think about it enough for three Fridays in a row, then you might realize that you're the answer to your own prayer. And then maybe after a few weeks you'll say, hey, why don't you join me to vertical or to church or why don't we read the Bible together? Or do you have a faith? Have you ever considered? Here's the funny thing about Baylor. Everyone wants revival. And God's just waiting for us to pray for it. Everyone's just talking about it. So we're going to fast every Friday until Thanksgiving. Some of us need to learn to walk before we learn to run. So you just need to give up sweets or social media on Friday. And then the next week, give up food, but have some smoothies. And then the next week, all in. That running buddy, 
that checks his heart. You may think he's a wimpy runner because he checks his heart and he stops running past 170. But what's funny is he texts me. He invited me to fast for 21 days in 2020. Consecutive days. I was like, bro, you're insane. Are you kidding me? And you laugh, but what some of you don't realize is if you were here last year, there was this really significant moment on Baylor's campus called FM72. It was this beautiful thing. It was unifying campus across college ministries, across all sorts of things. But what many of you don't realize is that there was a group. There was a group of people, probably close to 20 people, who fasted for 21 days. And we're preparing for, for a movement of God on Baylor's campus. And I think the first spark was seen in something called FM72. I think that spark still remains today. You see, my friend who checks his heart has a right understanding that our hearts naturally drift. I want to pause and then just close with the story that's really meaningful to me. But the pause is this. Tonight might not be, you know, the most special revelation you've ever received from vertical or from God's word, possibly. And as I was thinking and praying through this, I was like, this seems kind of weird. Like, we've never done this before. It feels kind of informational. I'm kind of giving you that packet of like, go do this and then go practice this. And what I was encouraged by as I was thinking about this is like, the power of God is going to come by grace and us putting this to practice. Like it's just not going to be meaningful unless you give it a try. And so I want all of us to fast together. And again, it's all in this entire series, we're going to be talking about things to, to steward our hearts, habits for the heart, things that are going to keep our hearts healthy. And the reason why I think it's so important, and I actually didn't even realize that it intersected in this way. The reason why I think it's so important that we, we keep track of our hearts is because they naturally drift. I have this friend who I was in college with. And in September 4th of 2012, he tweeted. Back in those days, you know, Twitter was still a thing. And so uh, September 4th, 2012, he tweets that he's at this ministry called Breakaway. Anybody know what Breakaway is? Y'all still awake? Okay, cool. All right, so here's the deal. He's at Breakaway, and he tweets this. I have the tweet written down. He says, to be walking in the light means that you're honest that you are not the light. Boom, tweet. That's amazing. So he was at Breakaway that night. His next tweet was about how, how you know, full Breakaway was, September 4th, 2012. This dude and I were good buddies. We, we uh, grew up together in high school. We went to rival high schools, but somehow we became friends. And uh, September 4th, 2012, he tweets this. October 4th, no, November. What's today? November, <laughs> November 4th. So between September 4th and November 4th, this crazy thing happened. He worked at Canicuck. He was a poster child, amazing guy. He's at Breakaway September 4th. November 4th, I, I roll over. 
and I wake up to a phone call. It's my buddy's dad. He said, hey, have you heard the news? I said, what news? He said, hey, I want you to know, Garrett, Garrett passed away last night. Garrett, how? What? He's like, yeah, I'm so sorry to, to tell you this news, but, but Garrett, Garrett was, he was drunk last night and he was killed by a train. What? A train? That's insane. That like doesn't even make sense. This is the Garrett that I know, that I, that I grew up with, who followed Jesus. Like he, he was at Kanakuk longer than me this summer. Like what? I know he's been going to Breakaway. He's the ministry kind of like vertical. Like what, what do you mean? What do you mean he's, he's gone? Drunk? Dead? What? It doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense. You see what happened between September 4th and November 4th was a drift. That's what our hearts do. And it's really, really important that we have habits and rhythms within our hearts that keep us from drifting. And I don't say that to scare you. I honestly say that to encourage you that like you got to keep track of your heart. You have to continue to allow space for the Lord to be working in and on your heart. And so these next few weeks, we're going to learn why we worship and what worship does for our hearts. We're going to learn about confession and community, spiritual maturity and, and, and memorizing scripture and all these different things and it's really just it's not so that we can earn God's love because honestly we will drift but there's this gracious God who sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and you know what's crazy about our God is that he would save somebody that died sinning like my friend Garrett. I believe to this day, he knew Jesus. He just drifted. And for whatever reason, maybe it was just to be an example to me so that one day I would know the importance of standing before you each and every week. And I can think back like, man, I know, I know G. Luce was, I knew he was in the crowd. September 4th, I, I look at the tweet pretty regularly and it reminds me of the importance of each and every week that we must be reminded that our hearts drift, but God still loves us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But our hearts drift so quickly, so we must remind ourselves regularly and even create habits for our hearts so that we fully understand the love that he showed us through his son, Jesus. So I'm gonna pray that we would fast and that our hearts wouldn't drift. Lord, this is about the time in this semester that we're most tired, more tired than we have been within the semester, Lord. 
where we're prone to wander, prone to drift. And so, Lord, I pray by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring us back. Lord, that you would use a spiritual discipline to transform and renew our heart and even our mind. Lord, would you purify our hearts? Would, you, would our hearts hunger and thirst for righteousness and may it be satisfied in you and you alone? And Lord, I pray against the enemy who wants to put in our heads that that this is some sort of works-based salvation or this is all to work so that God will love us. Lord, I pray you remove that. You would help us to give up food so we can focus on you, to give up something so we can focus on you so that we can pray as you've called us to pray, pray without ceasing. Would you show us what it looks like to follow you faithfully in all that we do? Lord, we love you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name.